Well, greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Believer's Faith Challenge podcast. Once again, Brother Mark Ajo with you, and I'm glad to be with you with Brother Tim Dodd, reporting once again on what the Lord is doing. Now, you've noticed on this podcast, we report on a lot of different places. We've had podcasts on Uganda, where there's a great awakening happening, and the message has been there for many years, and the awakening is going on. And and then there's other places that are just getting started, and I think Ethiopia has been kind of in that category. As the past few years, we've seen a church rise up and uh, the message coming into that country. And today we're going to the east. We're going to look at Japan. And Japan is an interesting place. It's been an interesting place for the gospel, first of all, and even more so for the message. I don't know if you know this, Brother Tim, but the first missionary trip I ever took was to Japan. I was about 22 years old back in 1986 or so, I think and stayed with some missionaries there, and, and Pentecostal missionaries at the time. And it has been a difficult place for, for gospel missionaries of all kinds, kind of a, a graveyard in a way for Christian missionaries. It's difficult to to get the gospel to those people, and I found that when I was there. But there's some new things going on, and we've got Brother Timothy Pruitt here to talk about what has been going on in Japan, the translation that work that is going on, and there is a little work there started. So I'm really excited to hear about this, Brother Tim. God bless you, Brother Mark, and God bless you, everyone. It's good to be back this week and to hear what uh, the Lord is doing in Japan. I kind of agree with you, Brother Mark. I've always had the impression that Japan is a, a very difficult ground to sow the gospel to, but as you'll hear uh, this week, God is doing wonderful things in Japan, and the Lord has saved some people there. A little group is gathering, and the message is being translated into Japanese. And for that, we give God all the glory. And we're particularly happy to have Brother Tim Pruitt, or Timothy Pruitt, the son of Tim Pruitt Sr., with us this week and to share with us what the Lord is doing and how the Lord has used Evening Light Tabernacle in the work there in Japan. Like you mentioned, Brother Mark, there are some works like Ethiopia where God begins a work and that gives us confidence that the Holy Spirit is still moving, gathering the elect from every kindred tongue and nation in these last days. And I think I would put Japan into that category, like you said. So let's uh, let's not tell the story, but rather let's welcome Brother Timothy Pruitt, uh, and we're so glad to have him with us today. We're here with Brother Timothy Pruitt, uh, son of Brother Tim Pruitt, who his father, I suppose, is well-known, and Brother Timothy is becoming well-known. Brother Timothy is associate or assistant pastor at Evening Light Tabernacle Louisiana, and I hope I have all of those names correct. God bless you, Brother Timothy, and welcome. God bless you, Brother Tim. It's an honor to be here with you, to be able to spend some time talking about the things the Lord's doing among us. Amen. Did I get the names right? Evening Light Tabernacle, is that correct? Yes, sir. We're uh, Evening Light Tabernacle in uh, Minden, Louisiana. Okay. Uh, we just moved. Uh, well, it's been almost seven years now, six years. Six, seven years 
we moved, uh, built a new church. And so we're in Minden, Louisiana and, and, uh, really enjoying it there. Amen. And you are assistant or associate pastor. What do you, what title do you go by? Yeah, I'm, I'm the, uh, been, uh, assistant pastor okay. there. work, uh, hand in hand with my father and, and do, uh, some outreach as far as, um, miss some missionary work. And, uh, and of course, uh, different meetings and things across the U S and Canada. Amen. Well, we've always enjoyed the ministry, your ministry, brother Timothy, and your father has, has certainly had an impact on many, many lives in the, over the course of his ministry. And we're thankful for that. And we're here today to talk about Japan. Japan is a, a country that is very unique. Um, and uh, Margie, because, well, I'll say it's unique to North America. As you know, in North America, whether it be Canada or United States, you know, we have kind of a melting pot of people. And in a lot of countries of the world, you don't have a melting pot. Like Germany is Germans. And Switzerland right. is Swiss, and and Sweden is, is is the Swedish people, and France is the French people. Uh, and, but uh, in Japan, they're probably the most, or I, I should say, the least diverse people. In that Japan is Japanese. And right. uh, when did you first, um, when did you first come in contact yourself? We'll go back to the beginnings of the work, but yourself, brother Timothy, what was? You've been over there. When was your first trip over to Japan? Um, I was trying to nail that down. I think it was somewhere around 2014 or 15, okay. somewhere in there. Uh, I went with Brother John Lay and Brother Jonathan Martin and uh, spent some time over there. I've been about, since then, I think around three, four times, uh, my personally, but there's been other trips from our church uh, in between all of that. Right. We have, of course, had a, a long, small connection to Japan in that there was a, a Chinese sister that was right. living in Japan for many years, a believer, and uh, Brother Murphy Wong was in touch with her. And, uh, I believe but, that's uh, uh, Sister Grace. That's right, Sister Grace. Yeah. And uh, But when was the beginnings of the work out of uh Evening Light Tabernacle, when did it begin and how did it begin? Was it somebody in particular that went over there, began to witness? What what began to happen there? Yeah, it was actually Brother John Lay. Um, of course, he had the, probably the same connection uh, through the years from being, being his, doing his work in China and his time spent in China. Uh, he had a connection with Sister Grace, and, and uh, so him and Sister Marie, uh, went over there first, and I'm pretty sure that was around 2012, because um, me and him had went to China together in 2011. It was right directly after that mm -hmm. that uh, he started to go to Japan. And so uh, he started in about 2012, 2013, maybe right at the turn of the year, and uh, went there and met with Sister Grace. And, and uh, it was about, a little, about an hour and a half out of Tokyo, I believe it was. Okay. And, uh, and, um, we'd, we'd begin there and start trying to find the base of, uh, to work out of or a place of, uh, make it a place of, uh, familiarity to where we could come back and, and could spend some time there. Was that his first trip there as well? As far as I know, that was his first trip. Uh, okay. Definitely his first trip 
uh, as far as with even like tabernacle. I know in in China, a lot of the beginnings was just brothers hitting the streets with tracks, but this appears to be a little bit different. You went over, try to create a uh, a place where you could operate from, and uh, yeah, he he started out with tracks. Um, he started going there, trying to go out and pass out books on the street or down in the subways, similar to what he had done in China. Uh, we found out pretty quickly that it didn't seem to work uh, as good in Japan as it did in China. Uh, the Japanese people, the way they operate and their their mode of operation is is uh, definitely totally different uh, mm-hmm. than Chinese. And, and I so, think that's an important point, uh, is yeah. that you can't take something that worked in one country and automatically transport it to another country. You've really got to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit and find the channel that's going to work in that country or in that culture. That is correct. Yeah. It, uh, their cultures, um, you know, we found them. Uh, Japan's a very dark place, uh, especially spiritually speaking. Uh, they, they, um, they have a, a belief of Shintoism or, uh, of course there's Buddha and different, different things over there, but, I, I think it was around, we got to looking at it, it was around 400 years prior that they they basically tried to kill out Christianity in Japan, period. Mm-hmm. And it turned very dark, and uh, and they're a very inward-type person. You know, they're not out there. They're very very shy, very quiet. And so just going and, 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 I, and, I, and sometimes you can take that as, is not being friendly, but that's not really true. They are, they can be very friendly and very open. Uh, but just meeting them, they're a very shy type person because they're so caught up in their own world, so to speak. And uh, um, they're very success driven. Uh, and so, you know, <laughs> it was uh, quite, quite interesting going into the, some of the subways and meeting them on their way to work or on their way back from work. And we found out very quickly that, that, uh, their phone was their world basically, or, mm. or, or they would get very immersed into comic books and things or, uh, into that world of, uh, uh, you know, fantasy almost. Yeah. Fantasy yeah. almost. That's yeah. the word I'm looking for. And so, we found very quickly that if we was going to reach them, we had to get into that device, into the phone. And uh, Interesting. the books, they, they would look at the books. They would kind of look at it when you finally get them to take one. And the only way you could get them to take one is you had to get them to ha- to make eye contact. Hmm. If they did not make eye contact with you, they was not going to take a book from you. Okay. But uh, it, it's just interesting to see how it was, how it would operate. Um, uh, actually, my first trip there with Brother John and Brother Jonathan Martin, which would be maybe the next couple of years later, uh, you know, we were still trying that mode of, of handing out books. And uh, we'd go down into the subways early morning. Brother Jonathan would take his guitar and would sing. And, of course, they, they did like that. That did attract quite a few of them. Uh, singing and things and uh, mm. and so you kind of soften them up and they got used to us being down there after a few mornings you would find it but we never as far as i know we never got one feedback from a book because i mean we'd have our name and our website and things and we just never 
it just never seemed to work. Okay, so so you had to transition from the books. You went over there. So what did you begin to do? What? How did you transition to the next phase of your outreach? Well, later it would uh, go into uh, um, me and and uh, well, there would be a trip with brother um, Craig Boer, brother Jonathan Martin, and then uh, brother George Winters would come on. He was actually a deacon in our church, and um, he was very good with uh, uh, technical things as far as outreach, as far as with Facebook. And we found that if we would make a home, he made his own our own little page for for Facebook, and then he would target different areas we would be in and put an ad there, and we got a lot of success from that. Mm. Um, uh, that was that was very successful um so that was but, what you meant uh, by getting on their phones is that's uh, right so he knew how to advertise on facebook you would what have a meeting have what would you be advertising we'd advertise either a bible study or um, uh, a christian meeting um things like that uh we would um and, and it would target that area you could set it to target a certain radius where you was at and anybody that ever clicked on anything to do with Christianity or, or God in any kind of way, it would of course target them. Okay. If they was interested, they would respond. And we ended up getting quite a bit of responses through that. And then some of the local believers, mainly Chinese would, would go to local churches at, at, at various times. And, and they, they would meet pastors and ask them if we could have hold services there when we came. And sometimes that would work. We actually um, went one time, me and uh, Brother Craig Boer and Brother, Brother George, and I was trying to think of the name of the city, but it's right out of Tokyo. And um, um, the sister had got his permission to hold our services in this little church. And it was actually the first time I ever met anyone uh, in Japan that knew anything about the supernatural mm. and it was an elderly man. He was, he was probably, I don't know. He looked to be in his eighties, uh, uh, but he had opened his church and we invited all the different believers to come from different areas. It was kind of a mixed group, some, some Chinese, some Japanese and brother Craig spoke, uh, the first service and, uh, so the, the, the brother asked if he could say a few words after we got through, and so he began to speak. And he said that when he was a young man, he had um, he couldn't talk. Mm-hmm. He, he was mute. And he was getting up into his teenage years, and, and uh, he, uh, he decided, you know, I, I can't. I'm a hindrance to my family. I'm, I... Uh, I don't have anything to offer. I can't get a job. I can't, I don't, there's no way of success. And like I said, they're very success driven. And then the flip side of that is if they don't reach that success or what they consider, they commit suicide. And and Mm -hmm. Japan's one of the, as far as per capita is one of the highest rates of suicide in the world. And I think that has to do with the darkness that is there, but also they're driven life to to try to be successful as far as the world is concerned but anyway 
he gets up one morning, decides tomorrow, you know, I'm going to live this day, and tomorrow I'm going to take my life. And he, he tell, This is his testimony of how he um, was walking down the street, and this is now when he's a young man, so this is probably 60 years ago at least, maybe mm-hmm. 70. Mm-hmm. Um, this would be uh, probably just after the Second World War. Yeah, it would be right after. And uh, he... He sees a flyer on the uh, on a on a pole of a American evangelist that's going to be speaking, hmm. and you know about the power of God and things. And he said, "Well, he said, well, I've never heard English before, so I want to go hear English before I die." Hmm. So he goes to this meeting, and he hears the man speak. He, he hears. Um, all the things that are said about God and things. And at this time he knew nothing about God. And um, in the service at some point, he, t- he tells us, he said, so I just felt a warm feeling come all over my body. And he said, I didn't know what that was. And he said, I, 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 I didn't, I didn't know what to think about it. And he said, I, I left, went to bed and uh, he said, I got up the next morning, going to take my life, make, had made my plans. Mm-hmm. Said, I walked into my living room or my family room, there where the family was. And, and he said, out of my mouth come Ohio Gazamas, Gazamas, which is good morning, basically. Mm-hmm. He, he, from that moment, he could speak. And so mm-hmm. from that moment, it really triggered a hunger in his heart for God. And, and, uh, and Amen. God done some other works for him. He's told us about how he was healed of a heart problem and things. And Amen. so that was one of the first experiences of actually meeting a Japanese person. Now, is and he a pastor now? or He's a pastor there okay. uh, in the local town. He, you know, we, we shared with him the message and things, but uh, seemed to be a really fine man and really, really loved the Lord and definitely had a, a desire to see the things of God, and and uh, it was it was it was just a real neat experience. Amen, amen. That is wonderful. I remember back in the days when I first came into the message, meeting people up north who had been in Brother Branham's meetings and hearing their testimonies and the things that God had done in their lives was just phenomenal. So you you began to try and reach out, and then you began to. Um, uh, gather people or draw people over Facebook. Now, wasn't it through Facebook that you met uh, Sister Ruth? Yes, it was. It was um, actually, we actually had met a, a young man. I believe he was from New, Nepal. Uh, he was a refugee. Uh, he was facing persecution by, from being, because he was a Christian from uh Islamic uh, mm-hmm. people, and that was chased him. He he found asylum in Japan. But anyway, he was one of the ones that that, that clicked on the, the ad for our, um, our Bible study, and it was. He said, I, "I thought, what is this?" You know, and so he clicked on it and seen it was just a few blocks from his house, and he's like, "Wow!" And so he comes to our Bible study, and Brother Craig was doing a study on baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and going through the scriptures. And this man had been to all kind of Bible colleges and things. And he, we're going through the scriptures. And finally he looks at brother Craig. He says, I've been to every kind of Bible college. And he said, why 
have I never seen this before? Mm-hmm. He said, this is so amazing. So he said, uh, I, I, I got to get rebaptized. I've been baptized wrong. And uh, so we said, well, Amen. we'll try to set up a time to, for you to be baptized. And so, cause it was, we didn't know where a place would be. And he, so anyway, he, he messaged uh, brother George that night. He said, look, he said, I can't even sleep. He said, I have to be rebaptized. And uh, he said, so brother George said, well, the only thing we could offer is our hotel bathroom or, you know, tub. Uh, there's nothing else. And so he said, well, that's the way it is. I'm catching a ride and I'll be there in just a few moments. And so, I don't know, it was around 11, 1130 that night. He showed up at our hotel and we filled the bathtub up and we baptized. <laughs> and, uh, and, but you know, he was a man that, that could see that, but he couldn't go further. But mm. he, um, he, and he actually got us in touch with, uh, sister Ruth and brother Emil. Okay. My memory serves me right. And, um, uh, he, um, uh, but through Facebook, they would message us. Now we also another, another man that had been, has been a, a, a key player in Japan is, um, as far as help and ministry, brother Danny Del Mundo. He mm-hmm. actually, we found out later had been already in Japan doing some things and doing some work okay. in Japan. And he was also with us on this trip and come and met us over there. And so we were, this is the last weekend that we were in Japan and we were flying home on Monday morning, which to be leaving for the airport or be at the airport about noon on Monday. Well, this couple, sister Ruth, brother Emil started messages. Like we'd love to meet with you. And this is on Sunday. It's like, well, we got, we were at this church and we're at this church. There's several uh, Filipino churches over there. Okay. As well already. And uh, so we we was had we was gonna be ministering at these two churches and so I was like, Well, we have to meet you. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. We got to meet you and and so we said, Well, we won't be back till late Sunday evening. We're catching a flight Monday and they said, Well, can we come to your place and be there Monday morning very early and, and meet with you? Mm-hmm. Like, well sure. So we arranged to meet with them at a Denny's that was right around the corner from my hotel. And uh, they came and we shook their hands, greeted them, sat down, began to talk. And it was the couple and Brother Danny Del Mundo, Brother Craig, myself, Brother George Winters. And at first, we was, was kind of looking like we started going through things, talking about things, and we're beginning to think, you know, are these, are, are they already message believers? Because there's mm-hmm. a lot of things they, they saw in scripture and they agreed with uh, very quickly. But we got on the subject of the rapture and brother Mill goes, he said, well, that's one of the biggest farces there is in Christianity. It's like, okay, now we got a starting place with you. <laughs> started going into uh, the types of, of Enoch and uh, Sarah and her change and all, and their eyes just started coming open. It's like, wow, we've never heard anything like this before. Can we got to know more, and so it were, It was actually had already been planned. But the Danny, we was flying out Monday, but he was going to stay three or four days later than us. And so he actually every day after that, for those times that he was there, he poured into them about what God had done in our generation and all the things that were taking place. And then later we'd follow up with Bible studies from here 
connecting right. them on Zoom or whatever. And uh, God really done a lot of things for them. And, and then later on, a couple of years ago, they, we actually sponsored them to come over to our meeting in October to our church and host them here. And wonderful. And, uh, and it was really a great blessing to them and their, their, their daughter. But, uh, Amen. so that meeting her, she's actually a tra- was a translator for the government. Okay. And, uh, so that really helped us because we was really struggling to find, find, uh, different ones to uh, translate for us. Um, and, and you know again, that, that really shows the supernatural and sovereign hand of God, you know, for the listener. Let me just jump oh. in here a little bit. We found that in Ethiopia, which is a country like Japan, where few people speak English. And, yeah. you know, we had to have English-speaking believers to get into the country. And and the first few believers all spoke English, which is like a tiny, tiny percentile of the country that actually speak English. And and uh, so when God sends someone like that, who is an interpreter, uh, a translator, uh, that is a so- the sovereign hand of God as he begins to move in a country. And I know Sister Ruth has been uh, not just translating, she's been translating uh, so fervently, I have to double check and make sure that she's doing the work. You know, it's, <laughs> the numbers are climbing so fast right now. Uh, on the internet, on the message hub, we have uh, 355 Japanese translations. That's a phenomenal yeah. work. And uh, there's 31 more of them that are in process as we speak. And so yeah. she's really done an outstanding work, and God has used her mightily. And she she's in line for some heavy-duty rewards on the other side. You know, For as, sure as those uh, predestinated seed are quickened by the word of this hour in Japan. It's a phenomenal yes. work. Hey man, it's, it's quite, it's really amazing when you stand back and look at how everything works out, you know, uh, it, it, it's just the hand of God. As you it said. is There's just no other way to put it. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And that's one of the reasons we wanted to, talk about Japan, you know, Bible Believers isn't really involved other than to support the translation work with the Message Hub site. I know you folks are supporting the actual physical translations, and uh, and that's a tremendous work. Uh, but just to be able to put it in front of the people and say, hey, this is another success story of what God's doing around the world. And of course, when God does something, it is a success story. It doesn't matter sure. it's one or a thousand or 10,000. Numbers make no difference. Whatever God does is always a success. All right. We have a wonderful testimony underway. And uh, for some of our listeners, this might be the first time uh, they are hearing about the work in Japan. So we're going to pause right there, and we'll pick this up again in part two with Brother Timothy Pruitt. Amen, Brother Mark. Well, that's where we want to pause it for today. You'll want to hear part two where uh, Brother Timothy speaks about what it's like to go through the earthquakes that are quite frequent in Japan and to and some of his personal experiences there. You'll hear about the new pastor and uh, some other stories directly from Japan as Brother Timothy recounts him. So thank you for listening this week, and we trust that it's been a blessing to you and that you'll be praying for the work of God and these brothers and sisters that are laboring in the country of Japan. 
So until next week, God bless you. Shalom. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Remember, friends, the bridegroom will not come until the bride has made herself ready. She must be both called and fully dressed by the Word of God. This is the Believer's Faith Challenge Report podcast. You can sign up for our email newsletter at BibleWay.org. Scroll to the bottom of the page where it says Newsletter. Fill in your name and email address and click Sign Up. In this email report, you will receive reports of the works of God in China, in Africa, in South America, in India, Europe, all over the world. We also publish a full-color paper newsletter two times a year, complete with photographs, reports, and testimonies from all over the world. The newsletter is free. Just request it, and we would be happy to mail a copy to you. You can contact us by email at info at bible-believers.org. That's info at bible-believers.org. Or you can write to us at Bible Believers, P.O. Box 128, Blaine, Washington, 98231. That's Bible Believers, P.O. Box 128, Blaine, Washington, 98231. This is Mark Ajo. Thank you for being with us today. And be sure to join us for the next Believer's Faith Challenge Report podcast.